Hello and welcome to the Bangla Cricket Podcast. I'm Roshan and in this episode we are looking ahead to Bangladesh's tour of New Zealand. Joining me to look ahead to it is Tasneem Summer Khan, a New Zealand-based cricket broadcaster and journalist. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you for joining me across probably one of the most ridiculous sort of time differences I think I've had on the podcast ever. Like I moan that I have to wake up early to get like Bangladesh time but this is another this is another I mean it's so late where you are when we're recording and so early where I am so thank you this is mad wild keeping up with global cricket from New Zealand I've been doing it from England (laughs) for so many years and you forget that English time zones are actually very convenient because most of the world is just not that far away New Zealand is a whole other story (laughs) isn't it so a whole 13 (laughs) yeah well a whole 13 hours but good practice for, for for watching the series that is about to come so Bangladesh in New Zealand and a series I'm actually really really looking forward to I think and I think Bangladeshi fans are looking forward to not least because it's our first away tour for well over a year now and um, so the team already in New Zealand and I've sort of been following their Instagram they've all become influencers honestly New Zealand is such a beautiful country they've all like I think I saw uh, Tuscan Ahmed bungee jumping earlier I saw uh, Mohammed Saifuddin on a, on a on a river cruise and obviously everyone's got the shot at the Queensland cricket ground with the mountains in the background They're, they've all turned into influencers yeah exactly I think it's so funny because obviously the West Indies were just here and so were Pakistan and watching it through the eyes like just rediscovering New Zealand in my case since I moved here about a year and a half ago through the eyes of like West Indian cricketers and Pakistani cricketers and now Bangladeshi cricketers is an absolute other level of joy the Indian team toured here um what like a year and a half ago and I remember we were talking about where they were going to go see and the places they were going to visit and those guys went to Pratararu Blue Springs it is one of the most beautiful spots I've ever seen on earth but the sheer happiness like witnessing New Zealand's little wonders particularly in a COVID world where pretty much everywhere else there's so many restrictions um you can't really leave the house is it smart to leave the house all of that's like an added thought but these guys are just having a blast. So I really hope that it continues into the cricket. What I really enjoyed about um, snooping on the Bangladeshi cricketers' Instagrams, um, what I really enjoyed about that is actually less drama um, than there was for the Pakistan side and the West Indies side. So it's good to see that teams are starting to learn about um, touring etiquette in COVID world. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's the first time they've had to do a kind of like, a bubble tour I guess is if, if, if that's yeah. what we're calling it now so um it'll be interesting to see how that affects them I guess, I guess in terms of their preparation also like, you know their sort of mental state they seem happy which is good you know but I think where, where a lot of the other international teams have sort of gotten used to this sort of bubble lifestyle you know the West Indian team and the English team that they, they've had that kind of like being away from the family being locked in the hotel room I think that was all very new and I think if I'm honest it seemed to be a bit of a novelty for the team <laughs> sort of having to be in a hotel for so long yeah. um, and it looks like they're really grateful to be out of course they haven't they haven't played cricket they haven't left they haven't toured for cricket in ages um you know they haven't had nearly as much as international cricket packed in this past COVID year as a lot of the other teams have so of course it's a novelty um it probably doesn't even seem that crazy um or strict because things have eased up in New Zealand as well but it is it's that positive energy I think it's going to do wonders and I think it does carry into the cricket because I watched Pakistan's negativity with the COVID restrictions and and the fact that they felt so locked up compared to how they were in England in their prior COVID tour I watched it trickle onto the field and in all honesty 
particularly with the T20s, um, because I think the tests really got away from Pakistan. But I, I watched that confidence grow, and I think it really matters. A, you're touring a country that is so different in terms of its cricket, the nature of its pitches, what's successful there, what works. And then on top of that, you've got the whole COVID context. So to be locked up and restricted, I watched it negatively impact the Pakistanis. And I'm going to love to watch a series where I think there's less of that because that imbalance that already exists for touring nations, particularly in a place like New Zealand, it's nice to see that ease off just a little bit. 100%. Well, let's let's start with the kind of, I guess, the top line, the obvious things with this tour. Um, and... Both squads have, I would say, one notable omission. Um, and I've had a lot of tweets and emails asking me for my opinion on Shaki missing the tour. Uh, and, and, and obviously from New Zealand side, uh, without Williamson for this for this series, and well, for, for both parts of the series. Um, let me start by addressing Shaki. I guess from a New Zealand perspective, is a team sheet without Shaki Bol Hassan an easier side to face? Of course. Of course. Um, New Zealand is not the most lucrative place for spin. However, we've all watched spinners in the past have some success in New Zealand. Shakib has been one of those people. He's been one of those people. Um, Nathan Lyon's been another. Yasser Shah has had his moments of success. And so I think that if you're a strong spinner, if you're a talented spinner, if you have variations and if you have the grit to know that that you're going to be hit around a little bit, but you're going to have to adjust for it, I think that that's a massive loss. I actually think that that one of New Zealand's biggest shortcomings as a test side, and I believe they're becoming more and more complete constantly. I think one of their biggest biggest problems is, is lack of a, a high quality, world quality class spinner. So Shakib has obviously been, you know, as a result of the ICC ban, a massive omission for Bangladesh in all formats. I think even coming to a place that can be considered a little bit of a graveyard for spin, like New Zealand, he matters not just for the not just for his bowling, but obviously the experience, the batting, um, the temperament. I think it's huge, and I think from a fan's perspective, if you are getting to watch the Bangladeshi team come to your shores, well, there's a couple of people you want to make sure that you see, and Michael Hassan is one of them. Absolutely. I mean, he's been give, granted leave uh, for the New Zealand series, well, paternity leave, because his his wife is expecting, yeah. uh, I think, in the States where they live. Um, but obviously, uh, the, the news for Bangladesh, that has rattled Bangladesh fans, is he's also set to miss the Sri Lanka tour, which um, is because of IPL duties. And so I've had a lot of messages going, what do you think? Where do you stand? And uh, sort of slightly, I, I think I do need to address it, although I don't really want to, if I'm honest, because it's one of those sort of, sort of situations where no one's going to be happy with the answer. But I guess it, it's one of these ones where nobody wants you know their best players missing from international cricket and you know we all want to watch Shaki play but at the same time he's coming to I'd say the kind of the the, the, the last chapter I guess in his career and you know we had Mashrafi Mortarza retire from test cricket a lot long earlier before he, he retired from one day and so for me if Shaki retiring from the longest format of cricket where he is going to be used the most out of all of our bowlers if that helps prolong his international career, which yeah. means we get to watch him at the next World Cup and for a few more years, for me, the payoff sort of... Not everyone's going to be happy with his opinion, but I think the payoff is fine. I think I think that's... I, I, I'm okay with that. I think it's actually an interesting perspective because I'm, I'm on your side on this. I'm very much on your side on this. Um, when you've had a long-standing player, He's probably served that national dressing room on a day-to-day -day basis, i.e. playing tests, as much as he can at this point. 
I think, like you said, in the latter, towards the latter end of your career, really frustrates me saying that because he's he's pretty much the same age as I am. So it's really perfect <laughs> talking, <right>. <laughs> talking about like someone who's like in the beginning of their 30s being at the end of their career. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so so I mean, he, he's done a lot of that. He's mentored people. He has played at the highest level with a lot of consistency. I think, and this Chris Gale is probably a nice equation to talk about because well, mm. people yeah. talk about, oh, should Gale be at the World Cup? Isn't it better to let like someone younger come through, et cetera, et cetera? Well, well, if you step away from the day to day, someone younger is coming through. They're continually coming through, <laughs> but it preserves you doing well in tournaments. And of course, we know this tournaments are always going to be tied to countries' financial security. They're always going to be tied to countries' growth of the game internally and in terms of fans externally as well. So you're, you've got to look at the long-term plan here. If the guy has given you a good solid 10-year career and now his value lies in potentially taking you as far in World Cups or tournaments or, or winning trophies, why not? I don't see anything wrong with it. And maybe Mohamed Amer is not quite the right comparison um, because he is a couple of years younger, obviously, than Shakib, and, and maybe he's been less successful since he returned um, from, from obviously the, his sentence. However, whenever people get angry at the concept of players choosing to not play tests or only play tests or whatever it is they want to be angry for, I think you have to come down on the side of that player doesn't owe me anything. I don't, I don't, you know, like own a ticket to his body. I've enjoyed Shakib playing for years and years and years. He doesn't owe me. If the man wants to spend some time at home with his kids and his family and restrict himself and his body, to the concept of tournaments i'm all for that yeah i think i think that the, the the had it been a kind of like i want an extended paternity leave like i have no and nobody has any problem with him missing this new zealand series it is the sri lanka series where he is literally going to be playing in the ipl which then brings in this kind of question mark of ah it's choosing money over over the nation and even that has some justification if you're putting together a retirement plan the man's got three children you know is he is gonna have to think about his earnings as we all do um yeah. and, and, yeah, so, exactly. and so i get you know i get it and i understand from both sides you know Bangladesh fans want Shakib in the team. We're a better team with him in it. But at the same time, he's got to make his own difficult decisions. And I think, you know, in the next year or two, I think he will fully retire from Test cricket and play one days and T20s. And if that's what happens, that's fine. That's We shouldn't be angry with that. That's fine. I'm going to add in the British context that we both have. So how long were the England players being criticised for, for making their decision to go to the IPL? Mm -hmm. So just before the, the last World Cup that obviously England won, um, I think pretty much everyone was at the IPL. No one was playing county cricket. No, no one was playing the Royal. I, I don't think I've seen an England player play the Royal London One Day Cup in years. I don't remember the last time. So, so no one was doing this, right? Everybody's at the IPL. So you can say, right, Ben Stokes is choosing hard cash over you know, country duties. However, all those guys that went to the IPL, when they played with the best in the world, the David Warners, the Kane Williamsons, whoever, and they came back to England and played the Cricket World Cup, do we genuinely believe that they were not richer for the experience of just having oh my God. You know, it's another component. Yes, the IPL has cash, but has the IPL advanced everybody's skills? No, completely. And, and actually, do you know, with a, with a T20 World Cup later on this year, Shakib having played in the IPL, is better set for it than Shakib coming off the back of a two-test series against Sri Lanka, and that's that's not a comfortable thing to say, and not everyone's going to agree. But I, I, th I think I think I think he's better for it. I think it's absolutely fair because who's better playing an alternative format? Who's better 
at the capacity of just switching their brain right into the format that you expect them to play. I absolutely agree with you. And if the format of this question mark World Cup that, that we've got right now is the same as the one that we've just missed in, in Australia that should have been last year, then Bangladesh are in a qualifying round. You know, they're not they're not even straight into the main stage of the tournament. So so and obviously, you know, they're strong ish t20 side um they've probably got strengths and weaknesses that mean that their performance on the day could be you know like on either end of the scale that's probably true for a lot of teams in t20 cricket today however if you've got an extra round to face with with you know um the netherlands and and cricket ireland and and very formidable t20 sides i think mm -hmm. a lot of the cricketing world that maybe is less aware of associate nations doesn't know they probably don't know just how teeny tiny that gap between the test playing nations and, and, and the associate nations are so it's not going to be easy because you're going to be tested and tried by some very decent players so some very hungry that, teams yeah they're hungry teams absolutely because it, it's the just like bangladesh was what like um 1999 yeah, yeah yeah type of time you're hungry you want to compete on the world stage you know that you're good enough you trust in your skills other guys got that too <laughs> so it's i think a matter of, of understanding where to invest your resources and where they're best placed and and i am you know i'm strongly in favor of tournaments and i think that in the context of bangladesh you have to think about this right a country like bangladesh are not england india and australia where they have their free reign of as much test cricket as they would like to pack their calendar with. Jimmy Anderson gets to only play test cricket because he is guaranteed X number of games to fill out a year. He's also guaranteed a, a financial remuneration that makes it worth it. But unless it's in a different situation, how many, am I right that they've only played about nine tests in the current cycle? Uh, I mean, doing the maths, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think we had one-off one test matches against Pakistan, um, India, yeah, it, it, it's 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 far and few between, you know. That's, I mean, save for Afghanistan, who have just entered, you know, like the the and cricket Ireland as well. They've just entered the four. That is significantly fewer tests than any of the other nations are playing. So to yeah. to starve or or to rather to bleed your players' bodies at a later age on the altar of Test cricket when we don't even get to play that many tests, I think there's limited thinking behind that and you know to each their own everyone's got their own like cricketing priorities but i think it makes perfect sense and and very quickly um kane williamson's obviously going to miss this series um with uh, i think i believe an elbow injury um which completely fine completely understand but there was a slight pang of annoyance when the last line was but it'll be back for the ipl and and there was a slight kind of question mark of whether it was a convenient case of a bangladesh tour that you can sit out of is this elbow injury as bad as, as, as you know? The thing that annoys me is please stop putting in those press releases, but they'll be back for the IPL. Because I feel like <laughs> if that sentence didn't exist, you'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that guy's been busy recently. Like, What's an interesting thing about Kane is for very many, many, many years of his career, no injuries, no injuries, no injuries. I think the last year and a half, his, his groin, his hamstring, his elbow, he's getting little niggles. So I think what's lucky for New Zealand is they get to rest their absolute best batsmen. But still have an incredible lineup. Like you look at the squad without Williamson on it and it is formidable. Like there's any combination of 11 out of that squad that will strike fear into the hearts of a Bangladesh team. What's remarkable is that this side have very quietly, year on year, gained competency and depth. Um, I honestly think that it probably started with their tour of the UAE. 
in what, 2018, I think it was. Um, and that win in the UAE, which I think was really impressive. For me, Kane Williamson really came into his own as a captain. Um, but the thing that I've gotten to see watching them up close and being in the same country and, and, and covering the cricket here is that he really transmits a lot of that ridiculous calm, that energy that he has and that belief that he has. And the, oh yeah, just another day, boys, kind of vibe to everybody in the side. Very quietly, year on year, they've gained competency. I, I think personally, the addition of Kyle Jamieson is that extra potency that their bowling unit did not have before. So it's an absolutely terrifying side to, to tour against. Like even if Kane Williamson is not around, that was the case for the West Indies. That was the case for Pakistan. It's the case for Bangladesh as well. And they're just getting strength with, with every team that tours here. However, I think that there's also a little bit of a power in going up against a team that you know is on such a hot streak at home. I, I think that they've got a lot to prove. They've had a tough series uh, at home against the West Indies and it's something to bounce back from. It's a little bit of impetus, I think, for them. Well, I think I think the context actually is what makes Bangladesh so dangerous. Like, you know, we've never won a game against New Zealand in New Zealand and, and that's something that I think the, the guys are desperate to change. But the context of it, particularly the one-day series, contributing towards qualifying for the next World Cup. Bangladesh cannot afford to not qualify for the next World Cup. And the easiest way to do that is to be in, the, in that top eight of the uh, the Super League. So they've already won three games against the West Indies. A win against New Zealand, even in one of the games, that's another 10 points. That's put them in the top three of that league quite easily. Um, on top of that, for me, like there's been a kind of a, a slight drift in, in the thinking, particularly in the one-day teams where Bangladesh have started to rely a little bit on their paces not so much when it comes to the test matches which is why I think we lost the West Indies series but the likes of Rubel and Tuskin um, and the newcomer Hassan Mahmood they all looked really good actually in in the kind of um, domestic series that Bangladesh are playing they also look quite good against the West Indies and so I'm really excited to see what they do in conditions that finally favour them and that's that for me is very, very exciting. Um, and then the other, the final thing, I guess, is everyone's suddenly looked at um, Mehdi Miraz as this kind of guy who's going to step into, into Shakib's shoes. And he had a very impressive series against the West Indies at home. And I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on him to see what that translates to in an away series. And if he is going to, you know, take that kind of all-rounder baton and, and be the person the Bangladesh can lean on. I do think that the conditions are a bit tough. What I've learned about New Zealand conditions is that they look so different on TV and so different in person. It is impossible if you were sitting in England and watching New Zealand cricket for it to not look like green top. And now that I'm here looking at the pitches up close and I'm like, no, 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 it's no simple green top, mind you. There is something in these pitches that it's on offer for bowlers. It's absolutely on offer. However, I just watched two sides tour here without any bowler even touch the capacity to utilize or to create movement in the same way that Tim Salvi can or the same way that Trent Belt can. They're such masters that I think that even, even when it looks like that you've got even Stevens conditions, um, the specialization that the Kiwi bowling unit have for their conditions, I think is off the charts. It's interesting what you say about the conditions because 
it has always been the conditions that have, have thrown Bangladesh in, in New Zealand. Like, uh, you know, normally watching, say, someone like Tommy McBall bat at home and anything that goes slightly down his uh, down his offside, just you know, a lovely cut and that's a boundary. Whereas the last time he was in New Zealand, it was honestly watching about 2am as those swings and misses <laughs> went to the slips is anxiety inducing. Like, and that's going to happen again. Literally right there with you. I was watching those games and... Um often watching ridiculous o'clock games is a thing that I do with my brother and um, because he's my younger brother like he's a, a natural born wind-up merchant that's just what it is so I remember watching and being like it's okay don't worry the memes got this like like one of my favorite batsmen to watch absolutely love him and I remember watching the most grating swings and misses <laughs> and I remember my brother being absolutely up in arms he was like no 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 but actually it wasn't as a series for Bangladesh last time I think it was not um as disheartening as sometimes raw numbers show I think there were some decent batting performances hmm. and I think that it's probably going to be a case like that again obviously with a limited format game with t20 cricket it's a little bit more of an equalizer anyway 100%. And, and and even as a Bangladesh fan, I assume that Bangladesh aren't particularly good at T20s, but then you bring up the stats and you go, actually, good series against Zimbabwe. Okay, we lost to Pakistan. We got an away win against India. Obviously, very different conditions, but that's not that awful. Um, and I know like the Bangladesh players would have gone into quarantine on the day that I think New Zealand scored 200 plus against Australia. And that would have hopefully early on, not struck fear, but given them a reality check of the potential task that that faces them. Like it's a, you know, it was a, a good wake up call, but I think, I think they'll know what to expect. And I think for me, Bangladesh lose this series. If they just let the batting go, the, the, the risk for me is that they'll just get battered out of games. If you go into one day match and New Zealand to put 350, which is absolutely possible or you play T20 and New Zealand suddenly put on T20, suddenly that's when, you know, it's not even heads dropping or not even have the confidence. It's just the experience of chasing those sort of scores in these sort of conditions will be completely alien. And I think that's where the games are won or lost. Yeah, absolutely. Which is much more of a mental game than anything else. Looking at a score of 350, okay, well, you know, maybe we'll see it at Trent Bridge. No worries. Maybe they'll be able to chase it down. It'll be a good game. It's not going to be the case. In a place like New Zealand, when you know the reputation for, for being relatively bowling friendly although I think that the truth is that the pitches are more fair than we probably give them credit for so yeah it's a daunting task but but I think that it's one that you're absolutely capable of and this is this is the real thing that Bangladesh need to think about at some stage in in their cricketing legacy it is time to take control of how how you see yourselves as a side what you see your level to be without any disrespect to any other cricketing nations if you consider yourself the best or if you want to compete with the best, then you bring your A-game. For me, a tour like New Zealand in New Zealand at what might be arguably the strongest time in New Zealand's cricketing history thus far, arguably, I, I think that's the challenge. I think that's when you say, no, no, we're a team that can win World Cups. It could be a name-making tournament for Bangladesh, couldn't actually. I think you're right. You're absolutely right. That focus on that kind of potential of what can be achieved should be there should be the focus rather than the fear of what could go wrong I think you're absolutely spot on what's your prediction then for the ODI series and the T20 series impossible to answer but gone commit to numbers I'm really I'll commit I'll commit I'm not afraid of commitment that's fine I'll commit I'm just afraid I don't like to be mean or rude and I feel like the answer is painful to hear Okay. I think I know what the answer's coming. And mine will be probably a touch more optimistic, but I know what's coming. Yeah. So I think ODI wise, it, it is 3 0. Okay. Uh, I think T20s, I think that 
A, they come, they come after. So you've gotten more of a rhythm, more of a swing, and then it's a shorter format. The problem with the middle overs in ODIs for me is that the bowling strength, the only weakness in, in New Zealand's bowling lineup is just the lack of a world-class spinner. Mitchell Sandner, very good ODI spinner. I don't know if I'd, I'd, I'd write his name down and think of him as a world-class. Well, Sandler and Sodi both did okay against Australia, but obviously they're playing on very well-worn pitches compared to, you know, by the, by the time the, yeah. the fourth and fifth T20s exactly. were happening, they were practically fifth-day test match pitches, essentially, weren't they? Exactly, exactly. It totally changes the nature of the pitch and it changes what we expect from bowlers as well. So yeah. so I, I do think that the middle overs, getting on top of, of New Zealand's bowling is going to be a, a massive difficulty, massive difficulty. Um, drying up of runs, stress that comes with it inevitably the difficulty that any middle order would have facing that um without any disrespect to bangladesh's um skill set i think that's why the odis for me are a three nil type story um i think with the t20s Two one. I'm sorry, that's not optimistic enough. Well, no, the optimism is my job. I, I, I would say actually, I'm going to say, I'm going to go put my head up. I'm going to say, yeah, it's going to be a tough series. I'm going to say both series, two one to New Zealand. I think Bangladesh will get their first win in New Zealand, and they'll get ten more points on that. I think that would be great to see. Who do you think will be instrumental in that? I want to say it'll be one of the new guys, but the reality is, I think it will be with the bat, Tami Mikbal starting well, Litton Dar starting well, both in terms of scoreboard, but also the morals of the, of the team. If your openers get a, a, a foundation, I think we're on our way. Yeah. Um, I think Mehdi Hassan Miraz, if he can continue what he did in Bangladesh abroad, I think, firstly, that'll be a massive boost to the team in terms of going, we've got this long-term replacement for Shakib. Um, and then with the ball, I mean, I want to see the paces. I think, I think you know, someone like Hassan Mahmoud, who New Zealand have never faced before, and there isn't a lot of information on, I'd love to see him sort of coming in as this new guy and sort of surprising uh, the New Zealand batsmen early on in, in, in the one day is. The New Zealand batsmen are not the strongest against spin. And we know the logical reason for that. That's There's just less of it in their country. They're not facing it with greater consistency. And um, and I, like as a, as a British Pakistani, when Pakistan came to tour, I thought, ooh, leggy, world-class leggy. This could work. <laughs> this could do something. <laughs> and obviously, tests and ODIs are totally different formats. In, in, in terms of an ODI, I do think that Bangladesh's spin capacities are probably the thing that they have that goes in their favor. And New Zealand batsmen's relative weakness against spin. So it would be great to see uh, what there's three young kids that what maybe four T20s is, is the most that either any of them will have experienced. So I think that from that component, it would be great to see something come out and surprise the Kiwi batsmen. Is there a chance there for Bangladesh to pounce on? Absolutely. Does it probably come from their spin department? Yes. But the batsmen, like you said, Lindas and Thameem have to start strong. I think that's where it is, isn't it? And I think for me as well, the other thing was um, we we played as a 22-year-old batsman called Nazmul Hussein Shantha who played at number three in the entire West Indies series and didn't perform. And he's he's a young guy who shows promise, but I don't know, the, 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 the team seems to be persisting with him at number three. And for me, that's a worry because potentially, uh, you know, you, you, he'd, be, he'd be coming in the first 10 overs if we don't start well. And a young, inexperienced batsman who's already not had the best of form in the West Indies series against a weakened West Indies at home, that could be a really damaging. We could go from you know the fall of one wicket to two to three very quickly. And I worry about our number three to five in the order. You know, I don't think we've got it right particularly. Yeah, I think that middle order is a problem that we've got going on around the entire world. 
or pretty much everywhere because we're we are at a place in cricket where we are so experimental we're not entirely sure how our our present t20 guys and you know slightly or or advanced run rate scoring all of that we're not sure how our present has been shaped by our past and how much of our former approach to cricket we want to hold on to so you see teams I'm thinking of England in particular make decisions that are bold about how they want the makeup of their side to be and obviously they can pay off in massive dividends like I don't know, watching every single guy from one to five score a 70, you know, or it could be a house of cards that tumbles. But that, but that watching every one of those dudes score a 70 is not something that happens overnight. So if we want to build sides where we have exciting Joss Butler-esque batsmen who are situation dependent and can do anything on the day, blah, blah, blah. If we, if we want to encourage the growth and flourishing of those guys, it's going to be some time until we see consistency from them. So maybe for our generation, we're probably still originating our ODI cricket at a time where 250 was was a yeah <laughs> 250 250 yeah. runs. This could be a tight chase. Oh, five and over. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So so we're from that time, and within our cricketing lifetimes, we're we're now like, hang on a minute, where's 500? Has it happened yet? When's it about to yeah. happen? You know, like cricket yeah. has changed a lot in that very short what the 15 years since we were like probably yeah <laughs> young people very very young people so so if we want to keep on progressing it in a certain direction and we want to look at scores of 500 and we want to look at like electric batting batting that's based for situations this middle order idea that we all have that traditional middle order idea we're gonna to have to get divorced from that idea we can't be matched to the concept that middle order batsmen do x y and z because the reality is batsmen do whatever the circumstance allows for them to do what that means is technically every single batsman on your side has to be technically sound and capable of playing innings in all situations we've got to like i understand the concept of an opening batsman being a unique role being something that not everybody is suited to and requires different technique and temperament anyone else that comes past number three you need to be situations based. And, and I think that Bangladesh are actually moving in the right direction. So, so my point was, I understand this criticism of the Bangladesh middle order and it's fair, but we both watched it on its day work out exceptionally well. Well, I'm really looking forward to this series. Thank you so much for sort of sharing your insights. Um, I'm looking forward to a week of literal all-nighters, um, sort of slightly surreal, probably falling asleep during periods of cricket and waking up and going, what's happened? That's I think that's generally what happens during a New Zealand tour. So by about 3am, I'm sort of flagging and Bangladesh are 108 for four and I wake up and that innings is over. That, that happens quite a lot. You feel like your eyes closed for a second. And then you wake up and you're like, oh, did the two opening bowlers take 10 wickets between them? Oh, yeah. It, it is exactly that. When your eyes start to close, it's literally the, them just saving you from seeing something that you just don't need to see. I, do you know, I, that's a poetic way of thinking about it, but I will obviously go into it with the optimism of going, going to watch every ball. Uh, I've actually put the work, week off work as well, going to watch every ball, but, you know, I'll let uh, a feedback on how that actually goes. Um, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute blast. And thank you for listening to the Bungla Cricket Podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with any thoughts, predictions, you can email me podcast at bunglacricket.co.uk or just oh, find me on Twitter. Right, it's easier. And we'll see you for the next one very soon.